Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Good morning. Good to see you today, Cornerstone Church. You guys are looking good. How many of you are overcoming sickness such as I am in the last little bit? Oh my goodness, I am too. So if you'll be patient with me, I'll be patient with you. How many of you will be patient with me this morning? Thank you very much. I sincerely appreciate it. You know, I just hugged Taylor and told her how much I really appreciated that prayer. And, you know, it, it, I think that that's where a lot of people in our congregation are at right now. I've been thinking about this this week, and I'm, I haven't even started. I'm already off my notes. Um, but I've been, I've been thinking about that this, this week, guys. Um, you know, the last two to two and a half weeks for Cornerstone Church, for the people, and for its pastor, and for my wife, have, have been difficult, have been hard um, on, on everybody for, for very real reasons, um, very real reasons. Um, it, it, I'm the one who gets the calls, and so I, I hear them, and I don't necessarily feel comfortable sharing them all, but there are a lot of people just in some tight spots, whether it be at home or with their kids or um, at work. Um, there's just a lot uh, of sickness going around and struggle and, and fight. And, you know, it didn't hit me until uh, Monday morning. I, um, you know, when my kids go to bed, it's kind of my, my one time to, to relax a little bit. And, and so I sit down and usually watch a show or something for a few, little bit before going to bed. But last Sunday night, I just felt compelled to pray Have you, do you, you know, there's a loss to art. To praying through. We haven't heard about praying through in a long time. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say to pray and through? There's a, um, what I felt like the Lord was showing me um, was, you know, we just come off the heels of a, of a wonderful season of outreach. I mean, you saw the tree filled with bulbs and just how many tiny ways and some big ways that we made an impact at, uh, at Advent season in, in, in our community. And, and there was, um, man, I, I think with kids, probably 120, 120 people here on, on Christmas and just through that season. And then we hit January 1st and it's like, like the armies of hell coming against us. Not just as um, a, a corporate body, but as, as a church. And I felt like um, the, that the Lord was showing me that we need to pray through it. Um, our natural tendencies um, during this season, our natural tendencies when we're going through a real hard time, are to isolate ourselves. Um, and, and, and the devil would like nothing more for us to think that we are alone in that struggle. He would like nothing more for us to think that 
we're the only one going through something at work or uh, at home. You know, the only one with something deeply pressing upon our hearts. And so, um, as I prayed through on Sunday night, I came to Sunday, uh, Monday morning and con- woke up with that same burden and continued to pray. Um, and it, that's when the Lord just kind of showed, showed me this, um, this idea of, uh, of banding together. Of, of banding together, of relying on the Lord more, perhaps more. than we ever have, or have in a long time. And the idea that he gave me was this idea of grit. You know what grit is? Grit is what you do when you want to quit. And I know because I get the calls that some of you want to quit. Like Taylor just prayed. When we don't have anything left to give, that's where God picks it right up. And I think that's where we're at right now. Thank you for your patience with me. I just felt impressed to share that. It's been on my heart this week. Um, this morning, I'm talking about uh, this wrapping up this series called Rebuild and Restore. And I believe that the Lord timed this series just perfectly. Every sermon, um, just for where we're at, even just this month, but where we're going is we, we ask God to do a work in our individual lives and as a corporate body to rebuild and restore. For a lot of us, it has to do with horizontal, right? Lord, rebuild my marriage. Lord, rebuild my relationship with my, my children. Re- help me at work with my boss or with my employees. Lord, rebuild my relationships in the community. Lord, rebuild my, my relationships here at church. And the people that Malachi ministered to here in this last, this last book of the uh, Old Testament as, as seen in the table of contents as well as um, chronologically, these people had just finished a rebuilding effort, rebuilding of, uh, of, of their, not only their lives as they come back uh, after 70 years in Babylon, but they're rebuilding the temple, rebuilding and reinstituting, uh, restoring worship. And so they had some things going for them. God had done a a great work in their lives. And so they had come to this point, though, where the little bit of success, I think, went to their head. Or perhaps the enemy was working overtime, as he is in our our situation, to kind of get them to maybe to give up or fail to see the point anymore. To fail to see the point. What's the point of, of... Worshiping God, for instance. What's the point of, of working on my marriage? What's the point of trying, you know, especially when it hurts? And so God sends Malachi to them because they had kind of given in to some natural but unhealthy tendencies, especially as it concerned their relationship with God. I'd like to just 
take a look at those briefly this morning before we start worship again, and then just give us some thoughts to, to consider as we uh, continue to rebuild our lives, um, not only as a, a congregation, but as individuals. Would you stand with me and just read Malachi chapter 1? Again, I thank you for your patience with me. I'm sniffing and drinking hot tea this morning. Let's start with verse 2. Okay, verse 1, rather. This is the message that the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet Malachi. Verse 2, I have always loved you, says the Lord. I have always loved you, and I think it's implied there that I always will love you. But you retort, really, how have you loved us? And the Lord replies, this is how I have showed my love for you. I loved your ancestor Jacob. I had rejected his brother Esau and devastated his hill country. I turned Esau's inheritance into a desert for jackals. Esau's descendants and Edom may say, we have been shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. But the Lord of heaven's armies replies, they may try to rebuild, but I will demolish them again. Their country will be known as the land of wickedness and their people will be called the people with whom the Lord is forever angry. When you see the destruction for yourselves, you will say, truly the Lord's greatness reaches far beyond Israel's borders. Verse 6. The Lord of heaven's army says to the priest, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I'm your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? Verse 7, you have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give the blind animals a sacrifice, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you, but when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Verse 10, how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will not accept your offerings. But my name is honored by the people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For the, my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Thank you for reading with me. You can be seated. So Malachi, as a whole, is, is a pretty heavy rebuke to the complacency of these people. It's a pretty heavy rebuke to, to them coming to a place in their relationship with God where they were just kind of going through the motions. And, you know, as it applies to us today, I, I, don't, I don't believe I'm speaking to people like that. So please don't take, take uh, anything I say today that way. I, I don't believe I'm speaking to complacent people who are giving God their leftovers necessarily. However, I do, as a pastor, want to put it before us, before myself, um, and before you, just to remind us, especially when we experience a measure of success, that, that we do have a natural tendency to kind of put things on cruise control. We fail to realize a couple of really important things. As the Lord get, gives us more and more success in our own lives, or He gives us more and more success as, as a congregation, that we tend to, to do two things. One, we tend to focus more on just 
a checklist of religious duties that if I stand and sit and if I sing and I go here when I'm supposed to do and it becomes more of this rote uh, uh, interaction than it is this really vibrant lifestyle where we are enjoying this fellowship with God where we hear him uh, speaking to our hearts and guiding us and leading us forward and we read his word and it comes alive and we're very soft and tender-hearted to him. You know, when we, when we have a measure of success, we tend to get away from that. We tend to get away from the very things that helped us rebuild and restore our lives in the first place. And that's exactly where the people of Malachi's day were. And he, so he sends Malachi to them. And, and even though that most of this book is a heavy rebuke for their lifestyle. The very first thing he says to them is, and the, and the very first thing I remind you of today, he says, I have always loved you. And as I said a moment ago, I believe it's, I imply that I will always love you, even though you are not responding to my great love in the way I would hope, um, I still love you. And so I want to put that, to you today, as you are in the midst of rebuilding and restoring certain aspects of your life or with the Lord or with people around you, that even if you were to go and kind of let put things on cruise control, it doesn't change God's love for you. And maybe you're cruising right now or someone you know is kind of cruising and just kind of doing the bare minimum. Or maybe they're just going through the motions pretending to be right with God, pretending to be right in their marriage, pretending to be right with their kids, posing and pretending that everything's okay when it's really not, even though they have changed, even though they have kind of let up on the investment that they're making in their relationship with God. He is still invested. He is still invested. And he breaks when you and I, his heart breaks when you and I reduce our interactions with him or with others, especially those most important in our lives, to rote interactions, just going through the motions, whether it be in our marriage. We can do the things, pay the bills and make sure the lawn gets cut and do all the things that a, that a home does and there be an absence of love. We can do the things that parents are required to do to feed and shelter, drive them to car, carpool. I hate carpool. Right? And there be an absence of love. You can go through the motions at work collect a paycheck and there be an absence of love for your work or for the people you serve. And God is saying, even though you may get to the place where there's that absence, he never goes through the motions with you or I or our families or our congregation. He never ever just Oh, it's Sunday, I suppose. I got to go to Cornerstone Church in Parker. What time does that start? I better be there. <laughs> he never does that. He shows up and he's excited that we're here and that we're worshiping together and hearing his word together. And so the very first thing I challenge each one of us 
especially as God rebuilds and restores our lives and gives us this measure of success, is to keep it focused on building that and having that love with him and with those that we are building that uh, and restoring those relationships, marriage, kids, parents, work, here at the church. Keep it on the, the, keep our focus and our investment continually moving forward. Even when it gets hard. If you know me, you know I like economics. It's kind of, I wish I would have part of the time gone to school for that. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but I love it. And I know that there's something called dollar cost averaging. Do you know what that is? It means you continually invest in the stock market even when it's down, up, down, because you know that it does this and eventually it will make its way up. I think we have to approach our relationships with God and others, especially when we're rebuilding and restoring. We have to approach it like we're dollar cost averaging, that even when we're having the the worst month of our lives, we continue to invest. We continue to get on our knees to pray and seek God, even when our hearts are breaking. Because we know that it's, it's like a, a passing of the night. What does the psalmist say? That joy will come in the morning. The morning will come for you. It will come for you. It's not going to be all darkness. And you may not feel that or even want to hear that right now. But I'm telling you, it will come. And so you need to continue to invest Invest in your relationship with the Lord. Invest in your relationship with your spouse and with your kids at work. Here at the church, continue to invest. It will turn around. The second natural tendency, we see, again, I thank you for your patience with me here because I'm, I'm getting the essence of what I wrote. I think this is actually better. Better than my notes. Um, if you look at verses 7, 7, 8, 10, kind of back through the back half of chapter 1, this really sums up where they were and what they were doing. You know, they, they like as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I think that they, they started to get to the point where rote religion replaced a vibrant relationship with God. And so as they were offering their sacrifices and doing the, the religious things, they started to ask themselves, what's the point of this? What's the point of this? They failed to see how what they were doing was adding value to their lives. Have you ever done something where you kind of, after a while, you start asking, like, what's the point of this? Why, why, why am I doing this anymore? Isn't it get hard to keep moving forward? I remember the very first uh, summer after high school, I worked in a factory. Boy, what an experience that was. And... You know, there was, we were making furniture, office furniture. West Michigan is huge on office furniture. And I, I remember being on the line. Um, we used this like orange cleaner, like Gojo type stuff to scrape off extra polyurethane. And I smelled like orange stuff for like all summer, you know. And I'm like scraping. And, and there was so many times where I was just, I just, what is the point of all this? You know, I'm one cog in the, in the, the line here, you know. And it was tempting when I got to that place, mental state, to, you know, extend a break, call in sick, 
want to go to the beach, <laughs> right? It's tempting. It's tempting to start giving your work your, the bare minimum, okay? And I think that the people here experienced that exact same thing because they, they didn't have that relationship anymore. They were just kind of going through the motions. And he, he says, look at you, you give, verse 8, you give blind animals as sacrifices. Isn't that wrong? Isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is. And then he says in verse 10, I wish one of you would just shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. He just says, listen, I would rather have nothing than have your worst, than have your leftovers. You know, if you know me, my wife will testify to this. I am not a leftover guy at all. Like leftovers, period. I like it. I like my food fresh and hot. But there are some people that they love like cold pizza. Is anybody a cold pizza person? Oh my goodness, you guys are so funny. I hate cold pizza. I agree, I agree. Oh man, I, I just hate leftovers, period. Um, it, it's very... Um, rare that I will eat leftovers. I like fresh, hot food, and, and then once I'm done, I'm done, kind of a thing. And, uh, but these people, it was like they were giving God their cold pizza. They were coming to God and just saying, you know, I don't really see the point in this, and okay, here, I'm supposed to bring you something, so here, here's my cold pizza. Here's my leftovers, you know? And, you know, this is, this is our natural tendency when we start when we fail to keep it focused on relationship and continue to invest, even when our lives are downward trending, even when our hearts are breaking, and then we come to this place and we're just like, what's the point of this anymore? Like, why, why should I even go to church? Why should I even help? Why should I even pray? Why should I even read the Bible? All this junk is happening to me. Why should I even do this anymore? And so we get to that mental place and we just start tossing God and other people our cold pizza because we're supposed to do something. That's what we're supposed to do. So we just, here you go, to your spouse, here you go. Here's the 10 minutes I have at the end of my day. To my kids, here, 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 here you go. Here's my last little bit of energy, you know. And you just start tossing people and God your cold pizza. And he's saying to these people here in Malachi, and he's saying to us today as individuals and as a church, that any work that God redoes or does to rebuild and restore your life or this church is only sustained as we continue to wholeheartedly invest in it. We cannot expect good results in our lives, relationships, this congregation, if we're giving people and, and God our leftovers, our leftovers. And you know, that's, how, that's what we're tempted to do, especially when we're hurting, especially when we're going through a tough time. But I, the only way you're going to win that war in your heart or in your mind, the only way you're going to get through this spiritual battle with the enemy, what did Paul say in Ephesians? Who do we really wrestle against? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Do you know the rest of that scripture, Mike? Who do we wrestle against? Yeah, in his forces, the wickedness, the powers, the principalities, the spiritual darkness, the junk you're going through, you're fighting against some spiritual forces and you can't see it 
And until you pray through like I did last Monday and Sunday night, you can't really see it. You can't really, really, really know what's going on. But when you pray through and you get a glimpse of it, you realize that that kind of battle is not one with cold pizza. It's not one with a 10-second prayer on on your way to work. Oh, God, just bless my day today. That kind of battle isn't one with a prayer before you eat. Or, you know what, a a, a 60-second devotional or something like that. It takes a it takes more. And God is saying to, to these people here, listen, the work that, you, that I've done in your lives, if you want to see it sustained, you have to stop giving me your blind animals, your crippled and diseased animals. You've got to stop giving me your, 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 your leftovers. You've got to keep giving me your best. And so today as we move back into worship, and I'll invite the worship team up at this point. And guys, we can, we're, I went about five minutes long, so we do not necessarily have to close right at quarter two, okay? Just let's, we're going to worship the Lord here for a few minutes before our vision meeting. Um, but if the work that God is doing in your life to re- rebuild and restore, maybe your faith in Him, or maybe your marriage, or maybe your relationship with your kids, or something at work, or, or here at the church, that is only going to, Uh, continue to move forward as you make it about relationship and not about routine and as you continue to just wholeheartedly invest wholeheartedly invest give God your best give your spouse your best give your children your best give them give your work your best even when your heart is breaking give people your best because when you do God will take that little bit you give and he'll multiply it and he'll bring you out of that dark time and into a, a really, really wonderful time. Can I get, leave you with one verse? One verse. Proverbs tells us that the life of a righteous person is like the first gleam of dawn that grows brighter and brighter until noon. Your life, if you are right with the Lord, and I'm assuming you are. And if you're not, you come see me. But looking around, I, I, I'm, I'm confident that you're right with the Lord. I, would want, I just want to remind you, no matter how dark your life is right now, that God says your life is like the first gleam of the sun when it rises in the morning. My favorite time to jog is I jog over here in Canterbury, down this trail, Canterbury Trail, and the sun rises up over the plains And it's so brilliant and bright, it blinds me. And that is exactly what your life is like. You might not see it right now, but that is what God says your life is right. How many of you will take that today and make that your confession? My marriage, my relationship with my kids, I don't care how dark it looks. God says, if I'm right with him, then it's like the first gleam of dawn and it's only going to get better only going to get brighter. Let's stand and worship this morning and rejoice in that fact. Thank you for your patience with me as I, I voice. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. 
we invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.